Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We are going to be continuing our look in Mark 5. I figured we'd just go ahead and stay there a little bit since we kind of left our story last week unfinished. As we are looking today at the power of a changed life. Now, this changed life was, the, the responsibility for that was Jesus. This was a demoniac man that had been possessed by many demons, and Jesus healed him. Now, this week on this Halloween Sunday, we continue the story of the exorcism of a man who was possessed by demons. Last week, we saw displays of his power to cast out demons And not only cast out demons, but restore those that he cast them out from. You see, evil's one desire, my friends. Even on a cute uh, holiday like this, on Halloween, they they try to mask it. but, But evil's desire is to tear you apart. Sin's desire is to destroy you. And the thing is, is that evil accomplishes that through Bad habits or addictions, behaviors or, or unchecked thoughts. It may seem harmless only to be consumed or destroyed by it. You see, Jesus' power, though, is greater than all sin. And He can deliver anyone shackled by sin. We saw that last week in the life of the demoniac. In today's scripture, we see the follow-up. I know baseball's really big this week, and I am not a baseball player, but I think I know enough, some of you guys that know baseball, the importance of a good pitch is the follow-through. Is that right? Okay. <clears throat> Alex gave me the nod, so that means we're good. But the truth of the matter is, is that we need to, to follow through. Jesus healed this demonic man, but or demon-possessed man, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. But... At the same time, he did not only heal him, he restored him. So, what we see is is that Jesus not only has the power to heal the man, he gave him the power to impact others as well. And so, he does the same for you and I today. So, as we look at Mark 5, we're going to look first at the first three verses between 14 and 17. Mark 5 Verses 14 through 17. And my friends that are watching on Facebook, uh, there is an outline there. Or if you have the app in the sanctuary, you can follow along or there will be notes on the screen. But I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is the continuation of the story. At this point, Jesus has cast out the demons. He cast them out into a herd of pigs. And the pigs, if you remember the story, you can go back and read it. They actually ran off the cliff and perished. Now... It says, the follow-up to that, the herdsmen, or in other words, the people that were keeping those pigs, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. I wonder what they said. He killed my pigs. He killed my pigs. However that goes, I don't know. But people rushed out to see what had happened. I mean, it's not every day you hear about a, a herd of swine running off a mountain. So, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, 
Now here it is. The same man that was breaking shackles, that was running around the catacombs in the cemeteries, uh, dirty, naked, and howling like a dog. He was not speaking. That same man is now, they, sit, they see him there, and he was sitting there clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to save them. Is that what it says? No. It says the people pleaded for Jesus to go away and leave them alone. We see a few things in these few scriptures. Number one, the world is hungry to see people who have been changed by Jesus. The world is hungry to see people who have been changed by Jesus. Not just people that wear a Christian t-shirt or have a bumper sticker on their car or have a few spiritual posts on their social media or can say a few good things that they picked up in church a couple of times. For those people that have been changed by Jesus Christ that were once one way and now have become another, people want to see that. And if you're in here today and you say, well, preacher, I don't conversion experience. I've always been a Christian as long as I know. That speaks just as strong. You see, people will talk about the work of Jesus. People will rush to see what Jesus has done. And the man was in his right mind. He was clothed and he was sane. And the man was different. And that's what they saw. The difference the crowd could see. And so we see in this passage, as I said a moment ago, when Jesus heals, he fully restores. When Jesus heals, he fully restores. Not halfway. Not just get him saved and put a notch in his belt and move on to the next town. He fully restores him. So my friends, if you were in a, a situation or a lifestyle that was not desirable, that you feel guilty of, that you can't let go of, you need to remember that when you became a Christian, Jesus restores you. That is no longer you. Just as the man that was once out of his mind, that is now sane, it doesn't matter where you were, it's about what Jesus has done for you. Amen? You are changed. You are new. There's no reason for guilt. When Satan wants to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. You are changed. You are restored. And you are different. This is not just an extreme makeover where he gets a new haircut and a new wardrobe. This man is thinking clearly again. He's acting differently. And his relationships with his family and his friends are renewed. The man's change was not from the outside in. But the inside out. That is the way Jesus works, my friends. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there are plenty of people that would assume that if you are a Christian, you will dress a certain way, you will act a certain way, and you will do all of these things. And then when you do all of those things right, when you meet this bar that we set for everybody, then, okay, well, they're a Christian. But that's not the way it works. This demoniac man didn't have to act a certain way before Jesus would heal him. He didn't have to take a bath before Jesus cleansed him. Jesus took him as he was. And Jesus takes you as you are. My friend, you do not need to prepare yourself for Jesus. Because if he's knocking on the door of your heart, he knows you're ready. 
The man's change was not from the outside in, but the inside out. Look, I'll go ahead and tell you, look, I know there are ways that people need to dress. There's ways that, that people need to carry themselves. And there's things that Christians need to let come out of their mouth and not come out of their mouth. But when there is somebody that is new in Christ and they backslide or if they say words that are not very churchy, understand that, that Jesus is still working with them. They might not know or understand how to be in church, but they understand that they, they were saved and restored by the blood of Jesus Christ. So with that, we need to give them a little grace. A little forgiveness and a lot of support and help. Because they'll get there. You see, if Jesus changes you on the inside, your outward believers will follow. We also see that Jesus' power repelled those with something to lose. They said, Jesus, would you please get out of here? In one event, one miracle or healing, however you want to categorize this, many believed in Jesus while others begged him to leave. You can see the fear of those who were unchurched and did not know of Jesus. You can see the fear of those who did not want to admit that there is a spiritual realm where battles for our souls rage. If you don't believe it, read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Some feared the thought of what Jesus May ask from them, and that's where a lot of people in churches are today. Jesus, you are my all in all. You are worthy of my worship. You can have everything but that. And my friends, if you say you can have everything but that, that's the thing that God wants from you. Because it is set up as an idol in your life. Some feared what Jesus may ask of them. That's why some of you will not fully commit to Jesus Christ. It's because you're afraid what he'll ask you to give up. They're afraid, you're afraid of what he'll ask you to do, and you're afraid he might make you uncomfortable. My friend, there is nothing in here that says the gospel is supposed to make us comfortable. Some feared that Jesus' work would affect their wealth and well-being. Now, you know, I know that, that we have different forms of, of making money nowadays, but back then, imagine what the herdsmen thought. Imagine if you had a farm and you had a, a herd of 500 pigs. And all of a sudden, this guy comes that, that you've never heard of, but or you've heard of him, but you've heard crazy things about him. And all of a sudden, he comes up and you see that guy from the neighborhood that nobody likes. And all of a sudden, you see demons go from him to your pigs And then your pigs are gone. Not only have you lost your herd, you have lost a lot of money. These people were scared of Jesus because he hit them in their comfort and he hit them in their wallets. They didn't want Jesus to mess with them. Life question. Here's our first one for today. What fears cause you to keep Jesus at arm's length? What fears cause you to keep Jesus at arm's length? And every one of you will have a different answer. But I feel sure that most of your answers will deal with fear and unwillingness to yield. Sometimes we fear what we don't understand. And sometimes we don't understand what we think we understand. The second thing we see here in verses 18 through 20 is Jesus gives a healed man the power to witness to his family. The the crazed demoniac man is now saying, and he gets to minister to his family. It says, 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Look, I understand for us, our greatest mission field are those that are under our very roofs. Verse 20, so the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Folks, I hope you can take a second and let's get out of Bible story mode and actually get real for a second. I hope that you can feel the joy of the man's restoration. The healed man begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus knew it was more beneficial to the man to go back to his family. To show them the work of Jesus in his life. I can remember as a youth, my parents took me to church when I was a child. Well, actually, my mom did because my dad was on the road driving a truck. My mom would take me. But then, when I got into the middle high school era and God started doing a work in my life, lo and behold, my mom started going to that church. Lo and behold, my dad started going to that church. My dad became an usher. My dad became more involved. My mom became more involved. Now, I'm not saying it's because of me. But I'm just saying, I hope that because they saw a change in their son, that they wanted to support that by coming to church. Thereby, God did a work in their lives. My dad was not a, 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 an alcoholic. He had an occasional beer every now and then, smoked a cigar every now and then. And, but the thing is, is that once Jesus got a hold of his life, he didn't need that stuff anymore. God changed him. Changed me. This demoniac was no longer the man possessed by demons. Do you think, maybe we don't know for sure, but maybe some children saw their daddy come home. Maybe there was a wife that saw her husband for the first time in a long time. Maybe for the first time in forever, their family is not talked about the one that has the crazy demoniac possessed walking in cemeteries, but they now have the man in their family that has been changed by Jesus Christ. The healed man could not help but go proclaim what Jesus had done for him. This was a true exorcism, not like you see on the TVs and movies. But I want you to feel the fear of those who were threatened. The ones that said, please, no, Jesus, go away. And maybe the herdsmen feared Jesus would destroy their business by destroying even more animals. Now, I will probably butcher this, but some of you are old enough to remember a comedian named Jerry Clower. I will not say it like he says it because he's got his own way of delivery. But there's a moral or a point to the story I'm about to share. This is the one about uh, him going bird hunting at Uncle Versi's. You ever heard this one? Okay, well, you won't hear it now. Young kids are going, I have no idea who Jerry Clower is. He was a blue-collar comedy tour before there was blue-collar comedy tour. Says so this old country boy invited his city slicker friend out to the countryside to go bird hunting. When his friend arrived, it was hard for him not to laugh at him. He had Louis Vuitton hunting boots, the best hunting pants and jackets that Cabela could offer. He had special sunglasses that helped you see the birds. He had camo all over his face. He was something to behold. The man that had never gone on a hunt one day in his life. So the country boy tells him, we'll head out to my uncle Versi's place. He's got a big spread and won't mind if we do some hunting on it. So they head out and 
Upon the arrival, the country boy steps out and tells, tells the guy, hey, you wait in the car, I'm going to go talk to my Uncle Versi and make sure everything is okay. Well, he walked up to his Uncle Versi, and Uncle Versi was so happy. He said, oh, son, it is so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. I just, I am so glad that you decided to come here and hunt with us and, and, and spend some time with us. But I tell you what, I got, I got one favor I need to ask of you. My mule out in the field, she's plowed many seasons for me. And old Della, she can't do it anymore. She's sick. The vet says her health is failing, and I just can't take seeing her in that condition. Could you please do me a favor? Could you please go and put old Della out of her miseries? Could you please shoot her? Me and the boys will go back later and take care of her. He said, well, Uncle Versi, I'll be glad to. So as he's walking back to the truck, he thinks to himself, (laughs) I'm going to have some fun with this boy. So he goes back to the truck. He hops into the truck. He slams the door. He starts beating his hands against the dashboard. And as he was doing it, he yelled out, do you believe my uncle? Do you believe him? He said we couldn't hunt on his property. After all I've done for him over the years, he says, no, you can't hunt on my land. Now get off my property before I call the law. Well, that's city slicker. I mean, he, he doesn't know what's going on. I mean, he is like full of, I mean, he's just fearful and, and he gets all worked up. So then the country boy slams the truck into gear. He rips the accelerator, throwing gravel everywhere. He's blazing down the road. Just up ahead, he sees old Della in the field, pulling off to the side. Whoosh. He jumps out. He grabs his rifle and screams, I'll show my Uncle Versi a thing or two. And then all of a sudden, he grabs his gun out of the truck and he aims it. He goes, boom! And there Della fell. As Jerry Clower would say, graveyard dead. And as he turns around to tell his buddy to get back, in the truck, all he hears is before he even turns around, boom, 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 three shots. So he looks at him and he says, dude, what's wrong with you? He said, man, that guy got you so upset and got me so upset. I killed three of his cows, too. What is the point of me wasting your time and my time with that? It's not a waste because of this. Maybe the herdsmen and the businessmen of the day were afraid that they were... Be more pigs led to their death. Maybe they were afraid that a miscommunication, instead of just shooting the one mule that needed to be shot and taken care of, that they would lose even more. And the thing is, is that many others would take it upon themselves, maybe, to kill pigs. Maybe somebody saw that and said, well, you know what, I'm going to start a a Facebook group for people to think that all pigs are evil. And we need to kill all pigs. Or I'm going to start a Facebook group to save the pigs. And all of a sudden, people are all polarized over the pigs rather than the work that Jesus did in the man's life. We don't need to overreact. We need to see the miracle for what it is. Their fear was twofold. Number one, they did not have the power to understand what had happened because they had never seen that. And the second thing was an action that had a direct impact on their business or their pocketbook meant they stood to lose something. And I know this is not 
meant to be a message on tithing, but I do know in my life there was a time where God had all of me except my pocketbook, except my wallet. And it about ruined us until God showed us that that was an act of worship. There are some of you today that you have yet to start tithing. I'm not saying that to put you on a guilt trip. I'm just saying that you're missing out on something you don't understand until you do it. I could sit here and tell you for the next 30 minutes on the benefits that Donna and I have found about giving God back what is His. But people just won't understand it. Maybe you're fearful. I don't know. But some were afraid of Jesus' supernatural power. So that's here's our second life question. Are you afraid of His power to do, and here's a big word, Whatever he wants to do in your life. Are you afraid of his power to do whatever he wants to do in your life? That whatever is a scary word. So why did Jesus tell this man to go to tell other people when in other parts of Scripture he told him to be quiet about it? Well, there's a few things that could be at play here. Number one, the restored man had not been able to speak. All he could do was howl, right? So now here he is speaking to the fact that he can now demonstrate the power of Jesus. So when he spoke to people, instead of howling at them, when he could speak to them instead of howling at them, they could understand more about what Jesus did in his life. Number two, the crowd was made up mostly of Gentiles where they were at. There were not a whole lot of Jews there, so maybe Jesus felt that it was okay because Jesus was taking this ministry, this new covenant, this the gospel, he was taking it to people outside of the Jewish faith because he knew that if it was full of Jews that they would go ahead and continue the manhunt and the spin on him to where it would make even worse on him. So he said, yeah, go tell your family first. Jesus was expanding his ministry to the non-Jews. Maybe that's why he told him to go tell. But in verses 19 through 20, Jesus' power is shown to overcome evil's power. Both powers are still at work today. Even right now, in this moment, good and evil are at work. It's surrounding this sanctuary. It is doing whatever it can to distract us, to make sure that we are Not listening to what God's word has. But the truth of the matter is, both evil and good are supernatural. Also, evil destroys. Good restores. Evil is feared. Good is cleansing. Evil is undesirable. Good has a clear message of the gospel. And evil separates you from the ones you love. I want you to think about this just for a minute in your life. And maybe somebody you know. Most of the time when there is strife and separation in relationships, it usually revolves around evil deeds, evil actions, evil thoughts, and evil words. And the only thing that will bring that back is forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration. It comes from Jesus. Yes, evil separates families. And you from those that you love, but good brings you together. The man that was separated from his family and society was now restored. This was his story. 
Do you have a Jesus story? And this is just something random that popped in my head. Uh, so take it for what it's worth. But we know that because of what the scripture says, the man had cut himself. You see that several places in the Bible that when when evil consumes somebody, they want to cut themselves and let the blood flow. So here we have a man that's been restored by Jesus. He's now speaking correctly. He is now clothed. He is now talking about Jesus, but he his body is filled with scars. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. When that man goes and he talks to people, somebody's inevitably going to say, my goodness, man, where did you get those scars? Then all of a sudden this man has an opportunity to tell them about what Jesus has done in his life. So my friends, don't hide your scars. Don't, don't, don't worry about what people think about them. But use your scars as an opportunity to tell others how Jesus has healed you. Because a scar is simply a wound that has been healed. Why did Jesus tell the healed man to come home? Because he knew this truth. If we cannot, if we cannot honor God in our own home, we will not honor him anywhere else. If we cannot honor God in our home, we cannot honor him anywhere else. Well, we also see in verse 20, he talked about the ten towns. Just for a little bit of background here, those were ten cities with ten individual governments working together for the purpose of trade. So what, what is significant about that is that there were many nationalities, a lot of Greeks, a lot of non-Jews that were there. So by going to the ten cities, he was able to impact and tell people about Jesus and that they would take him back and go to their families. So it would take it and the gospel would spread. But you must remember, all that God does is for your good and your glory, or His glory. You must remember, all that God does is for your good and His glory. We know that because Joseph, Joseph who was uh, beaten by his brothers, his coat of many colors was stolen from him, and he was thrown into the bottom of a well and sold to slave traders. Here he says, near the end of his life, where he could have got his brothers and his family back, but yet he restored them. And he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. The reason, who knows, the man was possessed and Jesus healed him because God had a purpose for that. So my friend, if you are in the middle of pain, or if you have gone through pain, and you are wondering what is the purpose of that, it very well may be for people to hear from you and to see from you how Jesus brought you through it. Because nothing happens to us that God does not allow, and nothing happens to us that not ultimately is for our good. Maybe not what we want, maybe not for what we see for ourselves. But it is for good. Boy, if I think about my prayers that I prayed, if they'd have been answered, I'd have been in much worse shape than I am now. Because God knew not what I needed or wanted, but he knew what I needed and he knew what was for my good. So in closing, before we do the Lord's Supper, I want you to see. The same goes for the demoniac man. 
that horrific experience was used for God's glory. And Jesus has the power to restore any wrecked life. You may not be a demoniac this morning. You may have your best Sunday, Sunday best on and, and inside feel rotten. I, I don't know. The Holy Spirit knows that. But my friends, if there is anybody here or watching on video that thinks that my life is wrecked beyond what God can compare, that is a lie straight from the devil. Jesus has the power to restore any wrecked life. Even if you've ruined your marriage or messed up your home or filled up your life with chaos and anger and sin, if the most important thing to you is what's in your garage rather than what's in your heart, I want you to know that no sin is restricted from access by God. Nobody is finished. No one is without hope. And any wrecked life can be restored. And a restored life can be used by God. Not only that, but a restored soul can be used by God to go back and says that what Jesus said to the formerly demon-possessed man is, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful He has been. You see, anyone used by God can make an amazing difference, the man said, as he was told, and everyone was amazed. What amazed those people? It was his restored life and the change in his life. So the invitation this morning is simple. If you need restoration in your life, it can only be found in Jesus Christ. It takes you admitting that you have sinned and run to him and watch him change your life from the inside out. You cannot do it on your own. That is something that is prompted by the Holy Spirit that when he knocks and when he pulls on your heart, you have an opportunity to respond. And I'm not promising you, if you feel it today, that it will happen tomorrow. I, I can't figure it out. We cannot manufacture the work of the Holy Spirit, contrary to what some people believe. But Jesus has the, repower, the power to restore your life. And if Jesus is pulling at your heart today, you need not prepare yourself to meet him. Because he's already here. And he's calling you out. As we go into this Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is a time for all believers that are at right with God to commemorate what Jesus has done in their lives. If you are not a Christian, or if you have got unconfessed sin, and I've got unconfessed sin, if we have unconfessed sin in our life, we're not supposed to take the Lord's Supper, because if we do, it is a mockery to what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. So my friend, this invitation, this Lord's Supper, I would just say, if there's anyone here, as Donna sings, if there's anyone here, as we are preparing the Lord's Supper, that wants to make sure that they are in the right state to take the observance of the Lord's Supper, that needs restoration, that needs forgiveness, that needs Jesus, come talk to me. We'll, we'll, we'll get the elements of the Lord's Supper out. But if you need Jesus, this is the time for you to do that. So Donna, if you would, please come and sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Mm-hmm.